Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to John 6 as we think about going to the Lord's table today? We're going to come back to this in our study this morning. So I'm not going to take a lot of time with it. But if you'll remember last week, we talked about manna. And Jesus is here teaching in John 6 that he is the bread of life. And he is doing so after feeding the 5,000. And he is also doing so after the Jewish people in Galilee have requested of him to do another sign like Moses did. And how Moses fed the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness with manna. And they got it every day for 40 years, and they had to go pick it up. But Jesus is very careful to say, it wasn't man, Moses who did that miracle, it was our Father. My Father in heaven. Nevertheless, it was mediated through Moses. And then Jesus talks about how he is the bread of life. And we're going to study that in more depth today. But if you'll remember... When we talked about manna, we talked about how, remember in the sequence of events with manna, it came how many days in a week? How, well, there's seven days in a week, right? Seven days in a week. How many days did the manna come? Remember that? Six. One day it didn't come, and that was the Sabbath day. So the day before the Sabbath, you had to pick up for two days, and it would not grow maggots. But if on Monday you tried to pick up for two days because you wanted to sleep in the next day and you were planning ahead, and so on Monday you picked up for two days, what would happen to the extra manna in your jar? It would grow maggots, and it would spoil very quickly. So there's only one day in a week where you could pick up for two days, and that was on Friday in preparation for the Sabbath. But I also made note of this. That was in Exodus 16, and Israel was not yet in Exodus 16 practicing the Sabbath. It's not until chapter 20 when the Ten Commandments come. But what was God doing? He was laying some groundwork and teaching them. So that when he told them in Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, they would think about what God was doing with the manna. Oh, yeah. We can only pick it up six days a week, and on this day it doesn't come. So God was methodically laying some groundwork so that when the time came, they would be ready and receptive to understand the teaching on the Sabbath. Now, what's interesting is when we read these verses in John 6, the disciples of Jesus are not yet practicing the Lord's table. That's not till the end of Jesus' ministry, right? In the upper room, Jesus says to them, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, do it and remember me. And then he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it and remember me. That's at the end of Jesus' ministry. When we read John chapter 6, Israel 
or the disciples of Jesus are not practicing the Lord's table. And yet Jesus is here, I believe, laying down in a similar way as what he did with the Sabbath. He is laying down some preparation. And you'll notice with me what he says in John 6. Jesus says in verse 53, (coughs) Jesus says to them, Amen, amen. Truly, truly. That's very important. We see that all through the Gospel of John. He doesn't just say verily. He doesn't just say truly. He says truly, truly. Amen, amen. He is putting an emphasis on the truth here. Amen, amen, I am saying to you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink his blood, you have no life in you. But whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, what does Jesus mean by what Jesus just said? What does Jesus mean by what Jesus just said? You can imagine why these people who hear that are stunned. They're Jews. They do not eat blood sausage. Right? They were forbidden to eat anything with blood. They were to drain the blood. Why? Because the life is in the blood, and blood was an anathema to a Jew to eat it, to imbibe it. How about being a cannibal? Eating his flesh? What does he mean by this? Jesus says here, unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no life. What does that mean? Now, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the worship service. But I want you to understand something. We are not saying by reading that text that if you're sitting in here today and you don't know you're on your way to heaven and you wonder whether you're going to die and go to hell... That if you come forward this morning and you eat that little cracker and you drink that cup, you just got eternal life. That is not what Jesus is saying. Let's make that very clear. And we will go deeper into that a little bit in the worship service today, but I'm pretty sure we're going to have to come back to it again next week to really get to cover all our bases on it. But Jesus is not saying that in this sacrament, by just simply eating it, you got eternal life. He's going to liken this to then saying we must believe in what these things symbolize. His broken body, his shed blood, Not for any wrong that he had done, but for the wrong that I have done and the wrong that you have done. Our sin. He died for our sin. And so our faith is not in the actual physical substance that's there on the tray, it's in Christ and what this symbolizes. But unless I am a partaker, 
in what that symbolizes, I don't have eternal life. Because that symbolizes the gospel. And my faith is in Christ. So as we come to the table today, um, I just wanted to say some things about that in preparation for what we study this morning. And to maybe kind of whet our appetite to go into the text. But um, again, I want to reiterate, as we take, you know, the scripture says we examine ourselves. I know many of you, and many of you know me, but some of you out there I don't know. But you know you, right? You know you. You know, yeah, I hope so too. Maybe you don't know you, but you know you. And you know what's going on in your life. And you know what the Spirit's doing in you. And you may have some struggles, you may have some doubts, but you know whether or not you have truly placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and repented of sin. And you also know whether or not you're just sitting there in resistance and rebellion to everything that he is and everything he stands for. And if that's you, we're glad you're here. But don't do this. Okay? If that's you, we're glad you're here. You're in a good place to be. But we don't want you to do this. But if you're here today and you know you and you're trusting in Jesus and you've been saved, then we do this today in a symbolic way we remember together in eating, taking into our physical body the symbol of his broken body, his shed blood, as a visual reminder of what he did for us on the cross. And as we do so, we proclaim his death till he comes, and we worship him. So we invite you to partake. What we have is we have plates that are available at the front and some in the back. While the piano is being played, we just invite you to uh, reflectively, either yourself or a member of your family, for your family, work to the plate and get some of the elements. And then after a few minutes, after the piano has been played, I'll just step back up and we'll partake together. We do it communally. We do it together. Um, because there again, this part of us is a body as we remember what Jesus did. And so let's have a word of prayer. And then uh, Shirley's going to play on the piano for a bit, and we'll partake together of this symbol of what Jesus has done. Lord, I thank you that you're a God of method, and you were preparing your people to understand what you would do, that you would give your life for the life of the world, that we could live, that we, you could raise us up on the last day. Lord, as we study your word today, I pray that you would bless us in your word, Teach us. But Lord, as we come to the plate, as we come to the table, we worship you for what you have done for us. We thank you. And so, Lord, bless us in this time of reflection. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Nina. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 6.
John chapter 6, we've been looking at the chapter, already just talked about that for a few minutes as we were preparing to take the Lord's table. I'm not going to belabor that again to go back through the whole chapter and lay the groundwork, but we're going to begin reading in verse 35, and we're going to read to verse 71. That is a lengthy passage, and we ain't going to finish it today. We're just going to introduce it. So I'm just going to look at the big picture here. We're going to read from verse 35 to 71. And we may not, as we study this from here on out now, it's going to take us a couple weeks to finish this. We may not read it as a block again, but I want to read it as a block today. Because it gives us the whole big picture for what is happening here. As Jesus is teaching them, following the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water, And then his arrival at Capernaum, and he is doing this, he is teaching this in the synagogue at Capernaum. We'll see that in verse 59, but let's start reading in verse 35. They've said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you've seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but I will raise it up on the last day. Notice that phrase, raise it up on the last day. That phrase will appear four times in these verses. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son, reminiscent of John chapter 3, the Son of Man lifted up, looking upon him like the serpent that was lifted up on the pole in the wilderness. Whoever looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews said, awesome. Hallelujah. (laughs) No, the Jews did what the Jews always did in the Scripture. They grumbled. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus? (coughs) Son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. How does he now say I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Notice that verse. And then the third time, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. 
I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So the, the Jews did the other thing that they like to do. And I'm not, I hope you understand when I say that I'm not in any way being anti-Semitic, right? I love God's chosen people, the Jewish people, but they are a stubborn and a hard-hearted people. The Bible says that repeatedly, just like we are. So the Jews disputed among themselves. They said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink his blood, you have no life. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And then the last time he says it here, I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread, the manna, the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. When many of his followers heard it, they said, Oh, this is tough. Who can abide it? Who can bear with this? Who can understand it? Who can even embrace it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Now, notice verse 63. This is an important verse, and it links back to verse 44 and to verse 37. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you, and notice this again, verse 65, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him. Earlier he said in verse 44, unless the Father draws him, but here he says, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer walked with him. So Jesus turned to the twelve. Do you want to go away too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the word of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? 
and yet one of you is a devil. And he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. For he, one of the twelve, was going to betray. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Jesus is at a time, an upsurge in his popularity. He has fed 5,000. He's been healing the sick. He's been raising the dead. He's been giving sight to the blind. He's allowing the dumb to speak. People in mass have been following him. And now many of them leave. And many of them never come back. What is it about what Jesus just said that made the Jewish people grumble? Let's analyze that a little bit this morning as we just introduce ourselves to this. First of all, I want us to think about the truth here. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He says, I am not like the bread that your fathers ate in the wilderness and they just died. But I am the bread that gives my flesh, my life, for you. And if you eat me, if you imbibe me, if you take me in, if you believe in me, you will never die. What does he mean by that, and how do we relate that to this? But first thing I want us to just think about is this little phrase, I am. Now, we're going to see this seven times in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, I am. These people understand what Jesus is saying, and it goes back to Exodus chapter 3. When God commissions Moses to go and deliver Israel from bondage. And God meets Moses at the burning bush, didn't he? And there at the burning bush, Moses says to God, Who are you, and who should I tell them sent me? What is your name? And what did God say? Tell them, I am sent you. I am. From that, we get the word Jehovah, Lord, translated in our scripture, I am. And it just means he is the ever-present one. He is the one who has always been, will always be. He is just, I am. He is the self-existent one who has always been. And then what he does here is he takes that name for himself. I am Jehovah, Jehovah God. I've always been, I always will be. I am the self-existent one, and I am the bread of life. We will see he is the water of life. He is the light of the world. He is the true vine. All these things that describe who he is is the self-existent one in relationship to us. He is the bread of life. Now, When it says there, he is the bread of life, we think about how bread is the staff of life. You know, in the ancient world especially, when you read in the Gospels or in the book of Acts and it says they broke bread, that is just a synonym for saying they had a meal. Because they thought, when they thought about eating, they thought about bread. And so when they're thinking here about breaking bread in the ancient world, they just meant you came for a meal. Come to my house and we're going to break some bread. It means we're going to eat together. So bread was just this synonymous concept of eating, of bringing food into our body. You can only go so long and not eat, right? You can only go so long and not eat. If you don't eat, you will die. 
You are not self-existent. You need sustenance. And Jesus is pointing that here to, to that reality that if you are to live and you are to live eternally, you must be eternally sustained by him, the self-existent one. He is the bread of life. In the Old Testament, it is, it is given to us and then Jesus quotes it when he is tempted by the devil and the devil tells him to take the stones and to turn them into bread because Jesus is hungry because he's fasted for 40 days. Jesus said, man shall not live by just bread. Man shall not live by bread alone. <clears throat> but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's why later in this teaching we will see, as Jesus said, as we read it, <clears throat> the words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. Man does not live by just bread, by just eating we live by the word of God, the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, let's think about Israel and grumbling for just a minute. I think it's three times in the text it tells us that Israel or the followers of Jesus were grumbling. It also tells us in the one verse that they were disputing. They were arguing among themselves what this meant. Now, in the Old Testament, Israel was grumbling all the time, right? When you read the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, and you read about Israel going through the wilderness, what do you always see the Israelites doing? They're grumbling. They're saying, if we had only... <coughs> Excuse me. If we had only stayed in Egypt, if we had only stayed in bondage, if we had only stayed as a slave... We had all the cucumbers and garlic that we wanted. It was such a good life. And they grumbled at Moses. And God gave them manna. But it still wasn't enough. By the end of it, what are they doing? Oh, I'm sick and tired of this manna. Why don't you give us some meat to eat? Sound like a bunch of people from Wyoming, you know. Give us some meat to eat. You know, and they only got quail. They didn't get an elk in the fall. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's interesting to talk, to look at 1 Corinthians 10, because in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is recounting the wilderness wanderings and how that, you know, one time they grumbled and God sent fiery serpents into the camp and knocked them dead. One time they, they decide to worship a, a golden calf and God knocks them dead, 23,000 of them, and they are grumbling at Moses because he stayed up on the mountain. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Sounds just like us. We also see it in the New Testament. Jesus is now in the wilderness, and they're grumbling at him. Now, the question that I asked myself at the beginning of my study this week is this. In verse 66... We are told that many of these disciples who heard this turned back from following Jesus because of what he said. So what are some of the things that Jesus said that are so highly offensive that people said, I am done following him? They saw him, think about this, they saw him heal sick people. And it was not fake. And raise the dead. 
They saw him feed 5,000 people from a little lunch that a boy had. They saw what this man could do. And they hear this, and they say, I'm out of here. Now, what did he just say that was so offensive that would cause them to do that? Let's think about that for a minute this morning as we just introduce ourselves to the text. The first thing that I'm going to draw our attention to that causes them to grumble and dispute is this claim. I am the bread of life, and I will raise you up on the last day. And by saying that, he is saying what? No one else can do it. I alone. Exclusivity. What I'm going to show you this morning is the three things that they were grumbling about then are three things we're still grumbling about. What is highly offensive to the world outside these doors that you and I are willing to say, if you do not believe in Jesus, if you do not eat his flesh and drink his blood, we usually don't say it that way, right? You don't, you don't knock on someone's door. Have you ever eaten Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood? You know, they're going to probably not understand what you meant by what you just said. That's not the way we do evangelism. Nevertheless, what is highly offensive to people outside those doors in this world in which we live today is the claim. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father by what? But by what? Me. Me. That is offensive. People still grumble at it. People still dispute it. Okay? We will talk about that as we go through here because Jesus says, I, four times, Jesus says, I will raise him up on the last day. Here's the next thing that's like tremendously a grumbler. Jesus' teaching about the sovereignty of the Father in saving men. You want to start a dispute in a church? Start talking about that one. Right? The disciples of Jesus are still like grumbling and complaining and disputing this. And so is the world. You're going to tell me that no one can come to the Father unless the Father draws him? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I want salvation on my terms. I want to get saved when I want to get saved. You know, I, I may want to live in sin for, you know, the first 10 years of my life when I'm a teenager. And I'm, I'm like, I'm going to go sow my wild oats, and then I'll just come back to Jesus when I'm good and ready. You know what? That ain't the way it works, friend. That is not the way it works. No one can come to him in true repentance and faith resulting in justification and salvation unless the Father draws him. What? You're going to tell me? We still grumble about that one. The third one is Jesus' teaching about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. You, you, you want to 
start a war in Christendom, just go back to the 1500s. <laughs> the Protestant Reformation. The Mass. What's the difference between the Mass and what we do? I kind of wrote about it a little bit on the back of the pastor's page. What's the difference? You know, can you come here and go there and do the same thing? And what does that mean that they're doing versus what we're doing? What does the Roman Catholic Church teach? You know what the Roman Catholic Church teaches? That when the priest blesses the wafer and the cup, it becomes the actual body and blood of Jesus. That is the dogma of the Roman Catholic faith. Is that what it does? Is it symbolic? What does he mean here? What I'm saying is this. Whatever you believe about that, I mean... You know, we'll study it in Scripture and try to come to a conclusion about what the Scripture says. But if you want to have a good fight among disciples of Jesus, start talking about the Lord's table. Right? So what we're seeing here is the very thing that caused disputes back then are causing disputes today. And people say, I'm done with it. If this is what Jesus is about, I'm out of here. So we better understand what he's saying. Because I think at the end of it, you know, we can look at each other and say, are you going to leave too? you going to leave too? And you know what we're going to end up saying? This is a hard saying, and I really don't understand what you mean by what you said. It's a mystery. We're talking about some mysteries here. What happens in the Lord's table? There is a mystery here. How about the sovereignty of God and salvation? You ever going to fit that one into your pea brain? Not me. I'm not going to understand it. This is a hard saying. But I'm going to do what Peter said. I'm going to say, to who else would I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And I have come to know and believe that you are the Holy One of God. And you have eternal life. I may not understand everything you say. I might not understand everything you do. Because you are God and I am not. But I'm going to believe it because it's in your word. So, we've got to deal with some tough subjects. These are three significant areas of theological debate among the disciples of Jesus to this day. Universalism. There's a lot of churches out there that teach that. They teach in the end we'll all be saved anyway. There are a lot of churches that teach there as long as you're sincere and you really seek God... You may not know who Jesus is. You may not know God by that name. But as long as you're sincere, God sees your heart, and that's going to be good enough on the last day. And he will raise you up. But is that what Jesus said? Does Jesus even leave us that option? This teaching of universalism. My friend, that teaching is very appealing. But my friend, that teaching is from the pit of hell. It is not true. Universalism. Then we have to talk about the sovereignty of God in salvation. Notice what he says in verse 44. 
He said, first of all, in 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. And then in verse 44, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father has sent, who sent me, unless the Father who sent me draws him. And then in verse 65, he says, this is why I told you no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. So we've got to wrestle with that one. You know, we may be here for the next six months just trying to get through this chapter. Then the last one is the meaning of the sacrament. What does it mean? We've got to talk about that one. So as we look through this text, we've got to deal with three significant areas of theological debate among the disciples of Jesus. And some of you in the room here are going to find yourselves on various sides of these issues. So what we want to do is try to wrestle with what does the Scripture say? Not what do I want it to say, but what does it say? And try to come to that conclusion. Um, I'm going to go through a couple screens here and then bring it to a close. Who will be saved? Who will be saved? Who will he raise up on the last day? Those who believe, right? Didn't we see that in the text? Who will be saved? Those who believe. And I probably should put here in big words, just so in Jesus. Not just believe, because believe isn't good enough. You've got to believe. It's the object of our faith. Who will be saved? Those who believe. Who are those who will believe? Who will believe? Those whom the Father draws. Isn't that what the text said? Those whom the Father draws. Who are those whom the Father draws? Those whom he foreknew from all eternity. Because it tells us in the text he knew what was in men, and he knew who Judas Iscariot was. Right? Even before he called him to be one of the apostles. Now, we'll try to understand this in the context of all of Scripture... But we need to see in this text three issues staring us in the face. Jesus is the only way. The Father draws us to Jesus by his Spirit through the Word. And when we come to him, we partake of him in his death, in his death on the cross. Let's just close in a word of prayer. When you leave today, come on back next week, even though it is a hard saying. And we're going to try to understand these things a little bit better um, as we go through the chapter. But let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, your truth. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you never dumb it down. You just give it to us right in the face. You confront us with our need and you confront us with who you are. And your spirit speaks life. I pray that, Lord, you by your spirit would ignite in the heart of someone here that does not know you that life by drawing them by your spirit. 
Dismiss us with your love. Bless in the meeting to come, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Close by singing one last song, and then we'll have a word of prayer.